0: welcome to the vanguard bible church podcast for more information about vanguard bible church visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on sunday mornings at 9 a.m at freedom middle school in northwest bakersfield we hope you enjoy today's message if you've been paid by someone with a check or if you've had to pay a bill with a check then you know that a check basically works like a permission slip. It basically grants permission for your bank to give someone money out of your bank account. In addition to granting permission, a check also contains limitations. Only the person whose name is on the check can withdraw the funds and they can only withdraw the amount written on the check. No more, no less. And they can only make the withdrawal on or after the date on the check, not before. The famous 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon once said the promises of God are like a check made payable to the believer with the intent of bestowing upon him some good thing. Promises. That's what I'd like to talk with you about today as we begin a new home Bible study series I'm calling Christmas in Five Words. But first, let's pause and ask the Lord to help us understand His Word as we study it together. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you that we live in a country that still allows us to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. Thank you that... For the next month, our nation will be talking about and singing about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you please help us to understand the significance of the verses we'll be looking at today? Please, Lord, expand our knowledge of you and enlarge our view of you and increase our faith today. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, I'd like to invite you to open up your copy of God's Word with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. And uh, as you turn there, let me just say that because of 2020 has been such a difficult year for all of us, it seemed only appropriate that I would do a Christmas teaching series that I hope would lift all of our spirits during a year where we've had shutdowns and the pandemic and so many other negative things. I'm calling this new series Christmas in Five Words because I'd like to simplify the Christmas story for us so we can memorize five words together. Five words that summarize what Christmas is really about. And if you find this study helpful, Perhaps you can share these videos with some friends or family members who need to know the true meaning of Christmas. With that, let's begin where the Christmas story actually begins, and that is in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah was written between 740 and 680 BC by the prophet of the same name, Isaiah. The time in which Isaiah ministered to God's people was another season of political and spiritual decline. The northern kingdom of Israel had already been conquered by the Assyrians as punishment for their disobedience to God. And although they were still standing, the southern kingdom of Judah was also about to be disciplined by the Lord for wandering from him as well. They were following false gods offering their children as sacrifices to those false gods, and doing many other wicked behaviors. Isaiah was dispatched to Judah to explain what their consequence would be for once again abandoning the Lord. And that consequence would be that they would be conquered and deported to Babylon in 586 BC. And that would take place that time out for 70 years. Now, after this spanking, is what I like to call it, from their Heavenly Father, and then this 70 year timeout in Babylon, the Lord promised to bring His people back to their homeland to rebuild their nation again. In the midst of the charges God was bringing against His people in the first half of Isaiah, He also provides a long term solution for their inability to earn their own salvation by obeying the Old Testament law and following its sacrificial system. Now, today's first word that I'd like you to learn, the first word we need to learn this Christmas season is promise. Promise. And let's look at Isaiah chapter 7 together and you'll see what I mean. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, famous verse, It's on a lot of Christmas cards and Christmas uh, media all over the place during the season. And here's what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, here's the first point on your outline. It's the first and only point on your outline I want to make today, and that is, The Lord promised and delivered a Messiah. The Lord promised and delivered a Messiah. After the fall in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord began to mention occasionally throughout the Old Testament a large scale plan to redeem mankind from their sin by sending a Messiah the word Messiah means anointed one or Christ. The Messiah was to be more than a great teacher, a moral example, or a picture of compassionate care. He was to be a Savior. Now, our need for a Savior was confirmed time and time again throughout the Old Testament as the people of Israel rebelled against the Lord. The Lord would then dispatch Prophets to call them to repentance and then discipline them until until they did repent. And then they would rebel again. The prophets would confront their sin. The Lord would discipline them and they would repent. And this cycle just kept repeating itself for centuries. Let's be honest. We are all the same way, aren't we? We walk with the Lord for a while We fall into sin, the Lord confronts our sin, sometimes He disciplines us, and then we repent and we come back to Him. Now, however, unlike us, in order to maintain a relationship with the Lord, the people of Israel had to follow a sacrificial system laid out in the Old Testament law books. Now, without getting into too much detail here, I'll just say that when an Israelite sinned, they were required to take the best animal they had to the local temple and to hand it over to a priest who would sacrifice the animal in order to atone for their sin. Part of the good news of the Christmas story is found in Hebrews chapter 10, towards the end of the New Testament. It's in Hebrews 10 where the author of Hebrews explains how it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. However, through Jesus the Lord provided an all-time single sacrifice for sins, and then Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, ending the Old Testament sacrificial system. Now I say all this because we need to be reminded that our greatest need at Christmas time is not expensive gifts or more Hallmark movies or time off from work or school, Cookies or a kiss under the mistletoe. Instead, our greatest need is a solution for our sin that separates us from God. Now, in light of all this, the Lord made a series of promises centuries before the birth of Christ that better days were coming. Now, the dictionary defines a promise as a declaration or assurance that one will complete a specific task or meet a need. Promises create the expectation of results. Now let's pause the video. And I'd like you to talk about this discussion question for just a couple of minutes. And it's this, when you make a promise, what can go wrong that might prevent you from fulfilling that promise? talk about that for a minute, and I'll be right back. Well, I'm sure you came up with some good answers. Uh, Here's here's just a few that came to my mind. Um, You might realize after making a promise that you're unable to keep the promise, or you might not feel like keeping the promise anymore. Or you may realize keeping it is going to be harder than you realized. Uh, Something might have changed that is beyond your control that will not allow you to fulfill the promise. Or what the other person thought you promised may be different than what you intended to promise. Now, through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord promised to send a Messiah who would 700 years in the future have the following characteristics. And this is going to be uh, letters A through E on your outline, these subpoints. First of all, this Messiah would be called Emmanuel, and that's in Isaiah 7.14. Uh, it says in the text, the virgin will, or shall conceive and bear a son. The word used for virgin" in the Hebrew text was, was used to refer to an unmarried woman who was old enough to marry. In Matthew chapter one, verse 18, we're told that Jesus' mother, Mary, would be with child from the Holy Spirit. Thus, the Messiah would not be conceived by natural means, but by a miraculous conception. This is important to clarify because critics of Christianity have tried to discredit the deity of Christ by dismissing the possibility of a virgin birth. It's also important because a miraculous conception would protect Jesus from inheriting the sin nature of his earthly parents. This, in turn, allowed Jesus to be both God and man. Born like we are physically, but not born with a sin nature, thus still retaining his deity. More on this in the next couple of weeks. We're told also in verse 14, Isaiah 7:14, that his name would be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel is one of the many names given to the Christ child. And as you probably have heard many times, this name means God with us. It's it's a nod to the fact that those who repent of their sins and trust in Christ alone for their salvation will no longer be separated from God by their sin. The Lord is saying through Isaiah that those who trust in this Messiah for their salvation would not, excuse me, that they would actually have God with them. He would no longer be distant and unreachable Instead, God came down to dwell with man and Christ's followers would be able to have God with them through the indwelling Holy Spirit. So close, in fact, that Jesus would have the same blood, the same flesh, and the same breath and same struggles that we do. So, he would be called Emmanuel. Next, turn with me in your Bibles, just back a couple pages to chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, And let's look at verse 6, where we get another glimpse, another promise as part of this prophecy about the coming Messiah. Isaiah 9, verse 6, where it says, "For, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Okay, here's a few more characteristics of this coming Messiah. Uh, Speaking through Isaiah, the Lord shares four more names that would be given to him, to this Messiah. Names in the Old Testament, you might remember, either describe someone's character, predicted someone's future, or both. And so, the next name that this special messiah would receive is B, Wonderful Counselor. Contrary to previous kings who had limited knowledge or demonstrated a lack of wisdom in their leadership, this king would be the wisest leader who ever lived and able to rule justly because he was not a sinner. And when Jesus Christ establishes his millennial kingdom in the future, we will finally have a leader who will never make a mistake he will never make a promise he can't keep he'll never fail to keep a promise he's made and he'll never make a decision with selfish motives because he's without sin i don't know about you but that means a lot to me in a year of a nasty election for president here in the united states but this is just one of many reasons why we should not invest any hope in the political leaders that we have here on earth. Because they are sinners and they are not God, they cannot bring the kind of change Jesus will bring when he rules on earth. Next, let us see. we're told in Isaiah 9 that he'll be called mighty God. That Jesus would be called mighty God. Although he would be a teacher, Isaiah wants us to know that this Messiah would be No pushover. Uh, He's not some weak shepherd. Uh, This king will have the power to implement his wise plans to perfection. No one will be able to oppose him because he will have no peers. No one will be able to overthrow him because there will be no king or lord greater than him. He is the king of kings, and he is the lord of lords. Next, letter D, we're told in Isaiah 9 that he'll be an everlasting father. This is a reference to the Messiah's relationship to time. He will reign eternally. Contrary to previous kings, he will not be hindered by time, by mortality or changing, a changing political landscape or, or term limits. There will be stability in Jesus' government because he will always rule in the new world. And then next, finally, letter E. We're told he will be a prince of peace. Jesus will bring peace, and he has brought peace between God and man for those who repent of their sin and trust in him alone for their salvation. He makes peace possible between God and man through salvation in Christ alone. He'll also rule his millennial kingdom in peace because no one will be able to make war with him and he will not need to make war with anybody else because there will be no one else ruling other than him. Now, let me tie it all back to the Christmas story. What does this have to do with Christmas? Now, pay attention because this is really good. Are you ready? If you look at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, you'll notice that the Lord sovereignly worked over 700 years working through the political and military decisions of kings, the obedience and disobedience of His own people, military conquests and defeats, the rise and fall of empires, The birth and death of ancestors, the marriages, number of children, and gender of children, and even unbelievers who didn't believe God existed, all to ensure that the prophesied Savior of the world was born at just the right time, in just the right place, to just the right people. And in doing so, the Lord fulfilled more than 100 prophecies. Now, that's a great place for an amen, by the way. Come on now. I want to hear you say amen from your house or your car or wherever you're watching this video from. I mean, uh, as as I heard one southern preacher say, if you can't say amen to that, then your wood is wet. (laughs) Now, This is important, God's sovereign hand working through 700 years to fulfill over 100 prophecies, including the prophecies in Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. This is encouraging for us because it has an implication, and that is, if the Lord can do all that for Jesus and Zechariah, and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary and all the people of Israel, then he can certainly work through seemingly mundane events today to fulfill his promises to us and to accomplish his good plans for us. The fact that the Lord fulfilled More than 100 prophecies in the birth, life, and death of His Son proves that He is not only a promise maker, but also a promise keeper. Well, the fulfillment of God's promises to send a Messiah is beautifully captured in the popular Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'm sure you're familiar with the song. It contains an invitation in each verse for the Messiah to come. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. This great Christmas carol also includes an application in the chorus for all believers to celebrate the fact that the Messiah Already came. You know the chorus Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. I hope this study of Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9 not only encourages your faith this Christmas, but also gives you a deeper appreciation for the carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel when you hear it playing throughout the season. Isaiah shows us that the Lord wrote a check promising a solution for our sin. And he cashed that check on the day Christ was born. So, the first word we need to learn this Christmas season is promise the lord made a promise and he kept it well thanks for tuning in make sure you continue spending time with the lord in his word and in prayer this christmas season i hope you're blessed and i hope you're encouraged i'll see you next week we hope you've enjoyed this vanguard bible church podcast You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.